Talk about fighting the good fight. Wendy Davis, formerly Judge Wendy Davis, has been fighting the good fight from behind the bench for over a decade. Her time spent as a judge has led her to Texas, right back here to Indiana. Over the last 12 years, she has put in grueling hours, poured over thousands of lawsuits, and determined countless decisions for extremely difficult cases, primarily cases involving illegal immigration, drugs, and gender transitioning among minors. Told you, fighting the good fight. Well, now, ladies, she is putting down the gavel and picking up a campaign sign as she is making a run for Indiana's 3rd Congressional District. And today, the muzzle she has had to wear for the last 12 years as a judge is coming off on the News Mom podcast. She mops the floor while mopping up D.C. This is News Mom. Wendy Davis in the hot seat. I feel weird, Wendy. I feel like I need to call you Judge Davis still. (laughs) But welcome to the News Mom. Well, it's so nice to be here, Kayla. I've listened to your podcast, and they're amazing. I love what you're doing for the community and the information you're getting out there to everybody. right back at you. I love what you have done and plan to do for our community. And I kind of want to start there because, Wendy, I don't really know a ton of your resume. I mean, I do know that you were the first female Allen Superior Circuit Court judge here in Allen County, Indiana. Yep. where we were at. But I don't even know how you got into law. What, what is your background? <laughs> how did you get there? Great question. So I grew up in Northeast Indiana. Um, I'm a lifelong resident of Northeast Indiana. In fact, I grew up on the Allen-Whitley line. So I grew up on a farm. Okay. Believe it or not, people are like, wait, what? I go, yep. I you was don't on strike a tr- me as a farm girl, Wendy. I know. I was on a tractor. One of my chores was to bush hog the, the fields um, where we lived. I mean, we had a farmer that farmed the land. My dad was in agriculture. Um, but yeah, that was one of my jobs until I started to cut down some trees my dad had planted and then he's like, get off the bush hog. So anyway, (laughs) um, so grew up here, um, you know, went to Homestead High School, went to Wheaton College, which is a really Mm -hmm. conservative school. And when I was at Wheaton, my junior year, they really pushed kids to study abroad. Well, I was a political science major. So I studied abroad in Washington, D.C. for a semester and went to American University. And um, Senator Luger, Dick Luger, Mm -hmm. hired me to to work with him on the Hill. Yes, yes. I loved Senator Luger. He's always been a mentor. He went a little moderate on me. Mm-hmm. But um, so we were just, this is a true story. We were running. He was a big runner back in the day. And so we were running around the Capitol after session. And he's like, and he knew my dad really well because my dad was in politics. And, and my family grew up in politics. Um, Dan Coates sat in my dining room when I came home from school one day, went at Homestead. And I'm like, hi, Mr. Coates. And little did I know, right? Yeah. Um, and so... Uh, so he said, what do you want to do when you graduate college? And I said, I'm going to run for Congress. And he was like, no kidding. yes. So you've always had this like servant's heart kind of 100%. going on. I just loved politics and grew up, my family grew up in politics. So um, I actually, that's who told me to go to law school. So Dick Luger told me to go to law school. I'm going to law school. So I came home from that semester, finished my senior year, and I told my parents, I'm going to take the LSAT. I'm going to go to law school. So I went to law school, and by second year in law school, I got engaged to a military doctor. So I actually finished, my husband graduated from Loyola Medical School and was a commissioned officer right away. So I finished my third year of law school down in San Antonio, Texas, the only time I've been out of the district, really, of Northeast Indiana. Um, And he was stationed at Fort Sam Houston. Mm. And we were there. I grew up then in the law as um, I worked a little bit at the U.S. Attorney's Office, and then I became an assistant district attorney, um, leading all the way up to trying some capital crimes in Texas. So just saw a lot of blood, guts, and gore, and was 
Um, originally, I was appointed to a federally funded drug and violent crimes task force. So keep in mind, San Antonio, mm-hmm. we saw it was happening back then, just not to the magnitude it is now. Not to not to age you or date you here, right. Wendy. But what year? What year ish? So this would have been nineteen ninety seven. Okay. Um, and so you know, because San Antonio had a lot of Hispanics, a lot of good Hispanics. I mean, half of the judges were Hispanic. They were you know, but but there was a lot of Mexican mob. There was a lot of cartel back then. And interestingly, when I was an assistant district attorney, the the cartel and the Mexican mafia would hire local gangs to do a lot of their drug trafficking. Yep. Yep. And so learned a lot back then. Now that you know, back then it what had incredible sp- experience though, yes. like out of the gate. Right. So here my husband is serving, you know, he he was at Fort Sam Houston during Desert Storm, and I'm down here, you know, fighting drugs and violent crime that is, you know, driven by what back then they were called Mexican mafia. So had a really big experience then. What happened though, fast forward is I got pregnant about eight years in and we decided, my husband decided to get out of the U.S. Army and we came back to Northeast Indiana to raise a family. So I had like, yes, finally. (laughs) So came back and went into, um, you know, it didn't it didn't work for me to go into politics then because now I'm a mom. I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty conservative, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be in Washington D. I didn't want to be away from my kids. And we ended up having three children, which we raised here locally in northeast Indiana. And um I ran for judge. I said, Oh, this is great. What happened is the local prosecutor said, Hey, come back and try some high crimes for me while I was a partner at a law firm, Beckman Lawson. Shout out to Beckman Lawson. <laughs> they were so good to me. Love those guys over there. Um and so I went back and tried some cases and then ultimately ran against a longtime incumbent um, in, a, in a race that happened 13 years ago, 2010. I, it was my first election. And it was local. You know, it was just a local Allen County judges race. But it was crazy, Kayla. It was the, this judge race. Uh, I mean, people categorized it sometimes as a congressional race because oh, wow. it got so much media attention. And uh, so I, I won and I won a seat in Superior Court. Um, and upset the a longtime incumbent. That's pretty crazy. Again, you're was. the first female for this role as well. No, no, so I was not the first female in Superior Court. So later, I sat on the bench in Superior Court, and then later ran for circuit. circuit Court. Okay, gotcha. And I was the very first female Circuit Court judge. That's pretty wild, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have loved my time on the bench. I mean, it was, you know, I've really... I've loved being a judge for 12 and a half years in Northeast Indiana. Um, seen a lot, heard a lot. So it's been it's been great. It's just with everything going on in America and my heart for uh, for America. I mean, I feel like we're losing America right now. You when, and me both, sister. That's for sure. Yep. When Jim Banks decided to run for Senate, you know, he's done such a fabulous job. I mean, he's just been such a strong conservative voice for Mm -hmm. not just Northeast Indiana, but Congressman Banks has been for America in general. And so, you know, I looked at that and he put down that mantle. I'm like, I'm picking that mantle up and I'm going to run strongly conservatively for Northeast Indiana and America. What was the response? You know, because as a judge, you have to take an oath of office, right? To remain politically neutral. Yes, it's been tough for me. Yeah. (laughs) So what was that like when you came out as a, a strong conservative Christian at that, mm-hmm. and you kind of took the that Journal Gazette off. lost its mind. What did it, what did it, so that's well, our it local just, paper for folks not around here. Yeah. So it was just funny because, correct, as a judge, I mean, 
Um, ethics is everything, right? Integrity in all things. So when I took the bench, I took an oath to follow the law. I took an oath not to be political. I remember, believe it or not, they send you to baby judge school. That's what it's called. And I remember <laughs> sitting in baby judge school tw- you know, 13 years ago and they said, welcome to being a judge. You've now lost your First Amendment right. Because, yeah, which was really because, you know, I couldn't go to right to life stuff, really. I couldn't go to anything political. I could go to bean dinners. That was about it. Bean and Lincoln Day dinners. Mm -hmm. Because, interestingly, we have to run in elections, but we could not be political. We had, in fact, I public speak so much for the drug crisis. And I was, Mike Pence appointed, when he was our governor, he appointed me to uh, the statewide drug task force. And so even when I was doing that, I was, I had to have a political muzzle on me. I could serve on these task forces, and I could come up with solutions to the drug problem seeping into Indiana, but I could not be political. That would have been so hard for me. It How was did hard. you do that for so long? I just had to remind myself of the oath that I took. The rule of law as a judge is the most important thing. I am a rule of law gal. So it was tough, but um, I will tell you, It got tougher and tougher in the past three and a half years being in circuit court is one of the reasons why I resigned to run for federal Congress, because um, it was getting tougher and tougher not to be political. I can only imagine some of the politics that also seeped into Mm, the courtroom. Yeah. Can you talk about some of those? Absolutely. It's, It's one of the biggest question I get is. Why are you running for office? Why are you running? I had a good job. I don't need this job in Congress. It's my passion. Um, Well, clearly it's been your passion since college. I mean, since you were rather young. Yes. And so the past two and a half years, I will tell you, um, I have watched single-handedly in my courtroom, America going downhill. The scores of the cartels are here, Kayla. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, They're here in Northeast Indiana. I have seen firsthand... I have sentenced a drug dealer who is not a U.S. citizen from Mexico, could not even speak English. I gave him his due process, made sure he, you know, it, it gave him his due process when he was found guilty of dealing drugs in my community. Um, and I came to sentencing him. I hammered him. Good of course. For you. Well, but here's the thing. There's no immigration system in Northeast right. Indiana. So normally what would happen is ICE officers would come and pick him up. Right. And and. There's no, it's just almost the immigration system is non-existent. Now, years ago, when I first took the bench, the ICE officers were present and available, but it was really tough to, so now your tax paying money is housing Mm -hmm. him in the Indiana Department of Corrections. Of course. So I saw that. I saw fentanyl. I ran problem solving courts, certified problem solving courts, especially when the fentanyl crisis uh, heated up so much. I have a veterans court, all these sweet veterans coming back from Iraq, Afghanistan, there, you know, you think of a veteran and you think of um, an older gentleman, mm-hmm. which there are some of those. I saw young guys coming back after, you know, all of these wars that they've and they're struggling with fentanyl. They're struggling with mental health. So and I'm fighting it. I'm fighting the fentanyl, the low level nonviolent offenders getting arrested for um, possession of fentanyl, possession of a syringe. And the fentanyl is pouring yeah, yeah. into our oh, courtroom. Yeah. And, the, and the judges, I have to kind of deal with it. So in in. Immigration. I've got. We have in Northeast Indiana immigrants that are coming here from Mexico, from across the border. They're making fakes. I've seen an immigrant with fake social oh, yeah. security numbers, right? And I'm like, you. They and this particular individual got popped with a felony OWI, and I'm like. You have to work if I'm going to put you on an ankle bracelet. You have to work if you're going to go through the system. Well, she couldn't get any work. She couldn't get legal. I mean, she went all the way to Chicago to try to get 
legal just so she could work. And it was the immigration system just was oh, it's, broken. It's, it's still broken, I would argue. So it sounds like to me, Wendy, you were forced to be more reactive instead of proactive. hundred. I reacted to all these problems in America. Yeah. And I'll tell you what else I reacted to. Um, minor gender and name changes. No. Yep. That so, reached the courtroom, too? Mm-hmm. Circuit court statutorily, I had to hear all of those cases. Well, I heard all of the cases. Now, I'm going to bifurcate out adults, right? If you are a transgender adult, I'm not discriminatory. Fair you know, enough, yeah. My, my faith tells me to love everybody, so mm-hmm. I'm not discriminatory. And, you know, if you're an adult and you want to live that lifestyle, that's between you and the Lord. Or that's mm-hmm. Hate the sin, and... not the sinner, right? Exactly. Yep. yep. But I saw firsthand, I'll give you an example, an eight-year-old who sat in my courtroom with a lawyer and his parents, and the mom took the witness stand and begged me to change his gender and his um, name into a girl's name so that she could take that piece of paper to the doctor and start the process. And what was her reasoning for this? She said that she's known, she, he's always she's always been a girl. And I'm looking at this sweet little eight-year-old boy. I denied it. I mean, I denied it. I was appealed on that case. Um, I was affirmed. Um, if you know about the judicial process, so I'm the trial court judge. Mm-hmm. I, I have boots on the ground. Like I said, all these current issues in America reacting to them. So I denied the minor gender and name change. It went up on appeal. I was affirmed, but there was a dissent in that case, and the dissent was so scathing. Basically telling me as a judge, I mean, they said the circuit court, at Allen Circuit Court um, was discriminating against the LGBTQ minor. And I'm like, no, this is a child. This is an eight-year-old. An eight-year-old little boy. So to your point, I'm reacting to it. When the laws changed in Indiana, I had a woman who was a felon on an ankle bracelet. And I got a motion for her to travel across state lines to go get an abortion. So all of this stuff is unfolding in America, and I am watching it firsthand in my courtroom reacting to it. The last story I'll tell you is I remember I had a guy on an ankle monitor, and because, you know, we've got a jail overcrowding crisis. So mm-hmm. if, if they're not a threat, a true threat to the community, I'll go ahead as a felon, you know, and put you on an ankle bracelet, put you at home, make you work, and, and you know, pay taxes. This guy came in, and I go, um, you're working full time, correct? And he goes, oh, no, Judge Davis, I'm not working. And I said, I said, when's the last time you had a job? Three years ago. How do you get your income? He goes, well, I'm appealing my disability right now. <laughs> Kayla, in my robe, I literally said, quit fighting the federal government for free money and go get a job. Good for Otherwise, you. Otherwise, you can go sit in the Allen County Jail. Yeah. Came back in two weeks. Miraculously, he had a job. Of course he did. So like all, you know, reacting, yeah. you know, people that are gaming the system because we're giving, you know, the, the federal government right now is spending, spending, spending. They're spending so much money and giving all these free handouts. And I'm not saying that some people may need a hand up. Absolutely. But you have people gaming the system of all of this free money that the Democrats well, want to give. Figured out. Yeah, oh, they got it out. Oh, they've got it figured out, girl. I this is I didn't even want to go down this road with you, but I'm going to because okay. I'd just be so curious from a legal perspective, mm-hmm. but yet you are you are now no longer a judge technically. You know, there's all these right, conversations. Right, so I can talk politics. That's right. There's all these conversations about parental rights right now when it comes to school, social media, this transgender craze that's just the new trend, in my opinion. But kind of going back to the eight-year-old boy, I'm a firm believer that parental rights really don't ever end. However, legally, there comes a time where you could make the argument where uh, parental rights 
do end. And in this case of this eight-year-old boy, this mom is arguing he should, you know, go by a different pronoun and a different name. Do you ever feel like there's a time when legally parental rights do need to come to an end? Great question. So, you know, presiding over this particular case. Yeah, that would that like I'm sitting uh-huh. here, I'm like still deep in thought about that. I'm twisted so, up where I yep, how I think about some that. of the testimony that came from the mom, and this is not judgmental, right? I think she had an agenda and I think I I have a lot of compassion for parents that are having kids that are confused yeah. and have some sort of gender dysphobia. You know, I'm a mom, Caleb. Yeah. I'm a mom. And so three kids, right? Three yeah. kids, yep. And I, I still have one in high school. So I have so much compassion for these children that are confused, for these families that are just trying to figure out how to support them. But I don't think the answer, I I heard this from a a conservative comedian, and I have to just say, like, uh, you know, I have a son that says at eight years old, I want to be a pirate. Well, I'm not going to go cut off his leg and give him a peg leg Mm -hmm. at eight years old so that when he's... 20, he's like, why do I have a peg leg? I'm so confused, mom. And now I'm living with this peg leg. You know, so it's, it's kind of one of those situations where even though I had so much compassion for this family, I think I ended the hearing saying, you know, if he continues down this path and gets old, you know, is older, goes through puberty. I don't know if I said this or not, but in my mind, well then, you know, if he wants, if he wants that lifestyle, he can have it. I just saw parents struggling to figure out how to make this kid happy. Mm -hmm. And here's an interesting thing. This kid was sitting in front of me with a mask on. Now this was not, this is way after COVID. Nobody, the parents didn't have a mask on. Nobody, my bailiffs didn't have a, nobody in the courtroom, the lawyers didn't have a mask on. And he just, his, he, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but I am a mom. Mm-hmm. And I saw a kid that was depressed, mm-hmm. anxiety-ridden. I was probably scared out of his mind if he's still wearing a mask. Scared. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a courtroom that intimidating. And at one point, I looked at him and said, hey, sweetheart. Yes. Yeah. I said, you don't need to be afraid of me. You know? Yeah. Tough stuff. It is, you know. I mean, again, at eight, at eight, your kids still like to eat glue for Pete's sake. Right. Let alone, you know, let right. alone. I mean, right. deciding which gender they should be or they think they should be. That's a, that question of, of parental rights, if and when do they ever end? Because on the outside, I'd say they never end. But in well, a scenario legally, like that, parent, right, right. When, you're speaking, when you're speaking in terms of the law. Right, right. It's a totally different way to answer mm-hmm. that question. 100%. And I'll tell you, Kayla, I think some of this too needs, we need to go back to the school system, right? Amen. Like the school yes. system, I think, is confusing some of these minors. When we have, you know, thankfully in Indiana, um, we have more conservative laws, but on the federal mm-hmm. level, which is why I want to go to Congress, um, you know, we've got a situation right now. I mean, let's think through this. In order to make these kids that are coming off of COVID that have mental health issues anyway, we need to teach them how to read and write and yeah. give them skills, whether they go to college, whether they go be a plumber, whether they go into mm-hmm. skills or just leave high school and go get a good job. We need to make them ready for the world. Not here's a list of pronouns. Where do you think you I fall? I don't have the stat in front of me, but I just looked at up about a week ago for the show that I host during uh, weekday mornings here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but it was something staggering. It's over half of our adolescents cannot read. Oh, uh, but yet we are, like you just said, busying ourselves with the 42 different gen- and In fact, I think it's up to like 70 something now. Right. I don't even know what right. they all are. Right. Genders and different sexual preferences, but yet half of our kids can't read. Correct. And my, so my daughter, um, my oldest daughter uh, taught third grade this past year. 
she struggled so much as a teacher. I mean, I just, I want to give a shout out to teachers right now. The teachers that are trying to do, I mean, but the way our country is going now, she's in Texas, so it's a little more Indiana-ish, but the way that the federal government and the Democrats want to take our school system, I think you've seen this in Mm -hmm. states, is if you've got a confused 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10-year-old, and the teacher sees that, the teacher can go to these kids and say, hey, you don't need to tell your mom, how can I help you? That Talk about parental rights. My head would blow off my shoulders. Absolutely. And and it's it's all that, eventually your mommy will come around to loving you, as if she doesn't love you now. Correct. Because of your, I don't know. We've got to keep all of that out of the schools. We've got to go back to teachers teaching math, teachers teaching reading. I mean, think all of this transgender stuff. I think that parental rights, you teach morality at home. Mm-hmm. In my household, Values at home, yeah. we teach, you know, that the Lord Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and the Bible is what we follow as morality, mm-hmm. right? And First Amendment rights, people can teach their kids whatever they want to teach their kids, but not in my household. So I don't need them going to school and getting confused that the school wants to teach them a Democrat agenda. That's what yeah, I call it. Yeah, wouldn't you find it interesting, Wendy, if all of a sudden at schools, you know, teachers started baptizing kids? How do you think right. that would go over? <laughs> right. You know? I mean, to me, it's almost the same kind of thing. Right. right. Uh, well, look at the craziness with Target right now. Yeah. Right? Like, if I go into Target, Kayla, I just want to go buy my detergent and walk out. Yeah. But I'm walking into Target, and if I you know, you've got minor kids, they're 10 years old, and they're like, oh, I might want to be a girl and wear that bathing suit that's front and center at Target. <laughs> it is. But so you kind of mentioned it. You said that's one of your reasons, all of these things and having to be re- reactive is kind of I want to be proactive. Yeah, you want to be proactive. How do you think you can do that? That's always, I think, the biggest challenge. Sure. You know, you're running for the third district, for those of you who aren't familiar, if it, the position, as you mentioned, held currently still held by Congressman Jim Banks. He's making a run for the Senate, but you're obviously running for for that that role. How do you actually implement and be proactive in a congressional seat? That's a great question. So, and, and people ask me, how are you different than the other yeah, candidates? Right. Yeah. And, and I think the way I'm different, a I mean, I have a law degree and I've seen current issues firsthand, fentanyl, immigration, you know, all of these woke issues in my courtroom, crime, crime is skyrocketing, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But as a judge, I can't kick the can down the road. So as a judge, if I have a hearing, like here's the issue, right? Whatever issue comes in Congress, I can't say, oh, I'm going to sit on this. You know, I'm not a career politician that runs for this seat to say, I'm just going to go to Washington, D.C. and do nothing. As a judge, I have to be like timely with my orders. Mm-hmm. I have to come up with a solution, come up with a decision and implement it. So as a if I was your congresswoman, I would do the same thing. And Jim Banks has done a phenomenal yes, job of that, right? Like goes to DC for the right reasons, mm-hmm. passionate about America, passionate about Northeast Indiana and the current issues we are facing. And I'm not doing this just because I want to be a career politician. I had a good job. But yeah. I'm doing this because my heart is broken for America. And yeah. I want to go help fix the problem. I know I'm only one voice. But I'm going to go get stuff done. I'm going to make sure there is a you know clear conservative voice for Northeast Indiana. There's always has been, right? Mm-hmm. In Jim. Mm-hmm. And I think we've got to keep the majority in the House. And so we need a strong leader at the helm that can, again, pick up the mantle where Jim put it down. And I think over the years as a judge, I've shown strong leadership. I've been appointed to a lot of committees, a lot of statewide committees when it comes to um, the fentanyl crisis and drugs and drugs, um, mental health, transgender, all of of that right to life. I feel like you've got all of these boxes. I've seen it all. Currently. And so um, 
so I really believe that um, my strength and my leadership, um, I'm going to pivot and go to D.C. and actually, you know, make sure as a freshman I learn, um, just like I did, you know, when I was my first six months on the bench. I probably stepped on my robe a couple times. But once you learn, then you pivot and work Mm -hmm. and you work hard. And I think my work ethic has been proven as a judge. Well, you've also already kind of helped implement and pass some legislation, right? Statewide. Statewide. So, okay. So I shepherded a bill through the House with, not just by myself, I had uh, the Fort Wayne Police Department, Lutheran Foundation, uh, and our community. We shepherded a bill through the House and the Senate here locally, and I testified locally to get inpatient treatment when this fentanyl and heroin was, was heating up. Um, we shepherded a bill to bring inpatient treatment to those that are getting arrested for low-level non-violent mm. offenses. So, for instance, I run three problem-solving courts. I run a veterans court, a mental health and addiction court, which is called restoration court, and then an o- OWI court. And I quickly found, even if you're arrested for OWI, you've got other issues. Like sure you've do, got yeah. mental health issues yeah. or you've got, you're really addicted to fentanyl because that's the biggest addiction we're fighting in the mm-hmm. court system. So we shepherded a bill to bring uh, inpatient treatment because you can't just tell a fentanyl addict, hey, all right, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put you in a, you know, NA or AA. So go home. Mm-hmm. You can't do Good that. Luck. Yeah. <laughs> so it was great because we passed it through and got inpatient treatment. I'm on the board of Park Center, so Park Center stepped up, and Park Center now is the inpatient treatment center for I did not know that. yep for the justice people that are getting arrested. Again, these are not violent offenders, right. Kayla. These are the addicts. These are the mental health. These are the veterans. Because mm-hmm. even some of the veterans will, even if they go to Shepherd's House. Shout out to Shepherd's House. True that. Yeah. yeah. Great organization. Uh, oh, wonderful. Um, they just turned 40 years I old. I saw Did that, you see on that your Facebook yeah. page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to post. give Barb and Lonnie a round up. So we, can, so we can go kind of give them inpatient treatment, whether they need medically assisted treatment or whatever. So we have that available to us now um, in Northeast Indiana. And then ste- step yeah. them down into Shepherd's House or other. I had no idea. I didn't even know that was something. I mean, I knew that you were kind of involved in the the war on drugs, right? But I didn't realize you were. So that I have helped craft involved. bills yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm a lawyer, so I read everything that passes in the House and Senate. Mm-hmm. I have to read it. Of course, you I need have to, to implement every July first. Yes. All these new laws. Being and I mean, I, I, we've got we've got great delegation right now. Um, but you know, sometimes I read it and I'm like, wait a minute. Uh-huh. I'd be curious. I mean, <laughs> we mentioned you have three kids, right? Your, your son and your daughter are older. They're out of high school. And then you have one son Correct. still in high school, Correct. right? How do they all feel, though, about you running for the third district? How does your husband, your husband also <laughs> serves in the military. He is. He's back. Too, right? Like I said, he was in the U.S. Army. And now he's a lieutenant colonel at the um, 122nd. Okay. Shout out to the 122nd. Yeah. I've been the honorary commander out there for like six years. And I always laugh. I think they made me honorary commander just so they could recruit my husband back. So he's back in uniform. Fair enough. Whatever works, right? Yes. Yeah. He's their critical care air transport doctor. Um, so he's out at the 122nd and um, 100% supportive. He, he's known. He's really political as well mm-hmm. and knows my heart, knows my passion for America. Knows that, I mean, I would come home from the bench and tell him firsthand, current issues we're fighting in America that mm-hmm. I'm watching. And I'm like, I can only, I react. I'm drinking out of a fire hose. I'm reacting and want to pivot now and be more proactive in writing those laws and actually to bring back a strong America. I mean, if you really ask me, what's my one liner? Why are you running? I want to bring back strong America. Ronald uh, Reagan America. A hundred percent. When yeah. I was in high school, Ronald Reagan mm-hmm. was our president in high school and college. And I mean, come on, all this stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Like, and so 
I mean, national security is huge for me. Yeah. I mean, I have two in uniform. So yeah. my husband's in uniform at the 122nd. My daughter's in Dallas. My middle son just graduated from West Point last May. Oh, my word. Uh-huh. And so he's in uniform. He's a new officer training at Fort Benning, getting ready to go to Ranger School in October. So national security, I mean, it's like personal for you. It's personal, it's, yeah. but I think it's a lot of people listening. It's I mean, they've had personal no... Personal for everyone, yeah. It's personal for yeah. everybody. I mean, we've got... Russia over in, in Ukraine, right? Mm-hmm. We've got China saber rattling around Taiwan. What are we doing? Mm-hmm. I don't see any any leadership from the White House yeah. um, to make sure that my son and my husband don't get deployed, but other Americans, other people in Northeast Indiana that they have loved ones wearing the uniform, or not just that, they just love America. Yeah. Have you found it all now that now that I'm calling it the muzzle? You know that the yeah. muzzle has been removed, and and you're running for the third district here. Do you find that you know? Being a woman, you are obviously incredibly zealous. You, you've got the energy. I'm sure you get worked up now and then over certain topics and issues. <laughs> yes. But do you ever find, I mean, because a lot of times when men do that, you know, they get they get overzealous about something or worked up. You know, it, for them, it reads passionate. But sometimes for, for, for women, it reads crazy, you know, or, or psycho. Do you, mm. do you have you or do you think you'll run into any of that? I don't think so. I mean, I've been a judge for so long. I, I think I have a judicial temperament that mm-hmm. you can't beat out of me. That doesn't mean I'm not passionate. But it does mean you, as a judge, you have to be measured. You have to be, well, you have to be well-informed. Mm-hmm. I have to know the law. I have to know, you know, I have to be smarter than everybody else and the other lawyers and the issues before me. I have to do my homework before I take the bench. And so I'm hoping I can take that judicial temperament and yeah. really be a strength in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think that's important. You know, I, I mean, there's some women out there, strong conservative women that even I read as like, oh, she's a little... She need to back that down a couple notches, you know? <laughs> right. But so I'm actually really glad to hear that, Wendy, because I know, at least from our listeners, I've, that's been one of the concerns that I've had people reach out to me about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now that the muzzle's off, what's she going to do? What's mm-hmm. she going to do? Everyone's like waiting for something right. to happen, Wendy. That's fair. Um, that's fair, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair or not. I, to me, I kind of think it's a little sexist because I think if it was the other way around, it wouldn't even mm-hmm. be brought up in conversation. Right. And that's kind of how I've responded to most of these people. Like, I don't think you need to. <gasps> I don't actually think me being a woman has anything to do with this race. Um, I, I think it has. Good. N- I hope not. Yeah, it has nothing to do with this race. In fact, I, I, I don't even see it. I'm, I'm running for the third congressional district, so that we can have Northeast Indiana represented by a strong conservative Christian. Um, that's gonna again continue where Jim left off. He did such a great job, and I'm running because I need to make sure there's voices that are gonna keep America strong. The strong America that I grew up in, you know. And I don't want to go backwards. I, I'm not saying go backwards. I'm saying. We are losing America. Mm-hmm. I've seen it firsthand in my courtroom. Crime, economic, the economy, yeah. needless yeah. litigation, fentanyl, um, you name it. I've seen it. All this wokeness now coming through the courtroom. And I am pivoting because I want to make sure America stays strong. And that doesn't mean discriminate against these individuals or, you know, discriminate against anybody. You know, racial relations has made a great headway Mm -hmm. in America. Let's keep doing that. You know, I've been involved in youth ministry. Well, I'm on the Northeast Indiana Board of Youth for Christ. Is there a board you're not on? I know, I know, I know. (laughs) And, And so, but I've seen, you know, I've been dedicated to urban youth and growing them up as strong Christian leaders, Mm -hmm. you know. So I'm not saying to go backwards, but I'm saying 
we got to do something in America, Kayla. We need people to step up and fight for a strong America. We do. We need people who who are courageous enough to take the punches. And I and I feel like those are getting harder and harder to find. Although your field is rather crowded, I will say that your race is a little crowded. But it it does. People don't want this job anymore. Right. People don't want to be the voice. No, anymore. and I think some people are running, and I can't speak for others, but just seeing in America, people run for these positions. Because they're career politicians. For the wrong or, reasons. Yeah. yeah, or because they need a job, or they yeah. think it's sexy to go to mm-hmm. Washington. You know, that's a rough life. Yeah, you I know? can't think of a worse job, actually. Right. right. Well, I'm just passionate about it. But you know what? I waited. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm I glad. waited until my kids were older, and, yeah. and Scott and I raised our family. But that's what I'm saying. I'm glad that there are people like you out there that are willing that you, that you have the courage to do it, and you have the courage to go take the punches because it's a brutal job right yep. now. I, law enforcement, I think, is brutal right now, and I think. Being in politics is absolutely right. brutal right and now. And I think on the federal level, to your point, we need to stand up we and do. back the blue, yeah. back the brown. Listen, I've seen firsthand what sheriff's, de- sheriff's deputies and police officers, vice and narcotics, these guys tirelessly mm-hmm. work to protect us, protect our freedoms, mm-hmm. and to keep us safe. And, you know, when I hear the Democrats in Congress still saying things, oh, AOC, wanna, yep. I, I swear when I get to Congress, if AOC says to me, defund the police, I'm going to take her head off. Please, please do. Please do. <laughs> I want to be there front and center with my popcorn for that I mean, one. That's again, I, I want to go back to my judicial on. temperament, right? Like, I'm not going to get crazy on I'm okay you. if you lose your judicial temperament uh, on that one. It's just nuts. Speaking of, I'm sitting here and it, and it just kind of dawned on me and I don't know why it didn't dawn on me earlier, but what happens to the Allen Circuit Court without you? I mean, is it mm. is it business as usual? I, I, I don't know. It what is. Happens. It is. So it, it will be a governor appointment okay. and um, the governor should be making an appointment anytime now. But I have two. So Circuit Court is one of the largest courts in Allen County is a single court. So in my court, I had three courtrooms. I have my general court, my big court, and then I've got two magistrates that I appoint. Magistrate Ashley Hand and Magistrate Rick Trevino were my appointees, and they have their own courtrooms. So we run three courtrooms every day. Um, So my two magistrates, and if they're listening to this, shout out to Magistrate Hand Mm -hmm. and Magistrate Trevino. They've been running the Allen Circuit Court without missing a beat. And I have a senior judge too. Oh, senior Judge Brown. I know. So he it comes all in. still again, like I said, almost business as usual. Business as usual. Wanting to skip a beat. Yeah. So aside from but all they of need these, to fill that um, spot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Aside from all of these task force that you you sit on and all of these groups that you are a part of. What do you do for fun, Wendy? Do you like to golf? Do you like to, you know, I don't know, boating? What, what are you into? <laughs> I. So what do I do for fun? Spend yeah. time with my family. Like yeah. this past weekend, I just made a quick trip to Dallas to see my daughter, which was a blast. Yeah. Like I came home revitalized. Um, but I'm a big workout fanatic, so I do okay. work out a lot. Um, we're big. I, I used to be a ski instructor. So, I mean, there's a lot no of. Kidding. Yeah, well, way back in the day, you know, but yeah. So we do a lot of things active. Fanatic. Are you, are you a clean eater, a healthy eater? Uh, define clean eater. I mean, <laughs> I know, would like to think I am. Yes, you no, know, I everyone am. talks about big tech, right? Big tech, big tech, and I'm all for a big tech conversation. But the the, the new thing that I'm into, and I'm calling it, I'm dubbing it big food. Oh. You know, learning about all of these things that mm-hmm. are actually in the food and the drinks that we consume and that we eat on a regular basis, and how terrible they are mm-hmm. for all of us. I've myself become rather clean. I mean, I've always been a pretty healthy eater, but I've kind of taken it to the next level, if you will. So I was just curious if that's on your radar when we're, you know. Yeah, I got to stay healthy. Know. Yeah. Got to stay healthy. Yes. No, I'm I'm a big, I mean, I would rather have fruits and vegetables over, you know, any, like a burger. A but, cheeseburger. A cheeseburger. But, you know, <laughs> here, here's the thing, too, that's interesting about that conversation is um, 
I've met so many. You know, I grew up on a farm. Yeah. But I've, it's been such a blast to go to all the counties in the district and meet all these farmers. Yeah. Talk about clean living. You know what I mean? I mean, we need to support we our do. farmers that is huge. and yeah. eat, eat the food they're producing, yeah. you know? Eat that food that they are producing. In Northeast Indiana, it's mostly lots of corn. And I, the farm we work was corn and soybeans. My dad worked at Central Soy, which was a soybean industry. Um, but, you know, you talk about clean living and what you're buying in the grocery store. I just want to be cognizant that we are supporting mm-hmm. our farmers in Northeast Indiana. You know, they, they're having a tough time Back right now. Back away from the Lucky Charms, go for the yes. grass-fed beef. You exactly. Know? Like, that's, exactly. Because yeah. yeah. um, our farmers are, you know, with the economy the way it is, um, their inputs are skyrocketing. You know, their diesel fuel to run their farm equipment, fertilizer, all of this stuff is just off the charts. And I've always said, and I and as I notice the farmers in Northeast Indiana, you know, when I say I want to, uh, I'm, I'm running to bring a strong America uh, back to the forefront. Um, strong farmers yeah. and strong agriculture. Strong America. The backbone, the foundation. Uh, And we're losing that. Wendy, how can people learn more about you? Um, They can go to my website, uh, wendyforindiana.com. And it's wendy, F-O-R, for indiana.com. And check out my website. Do you think there'll be any debates, upcoming debates that we can look forward to? I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Going. I mean, that's why you I'll get see to if I know. can arrange one. <laughs> yeah, that's the way you get to know your candidates. You know, I can sit here and tell you I'm going to be a very strong um, congressperson for the Northeast Indiana District and for America. But if they want to hear from me personally against the other candidates, I'd love that. I'd welcome that. Wendy, thanks for being on the News Mom. Thank you. First and foremost, before I get to my takeaways, little disclaimer for you here. My takeaways are not reflective of the views of my guest, right? In this case, Wendy. Apparently, I need to say that for some reason, some folks think that my words are reflective of my guests. I don't know. I would never presume to speak for any of them. Um, So just know these are my takeaways and they are not reflective of my guests' views. In regards to today, my takeaways are this. I guess for everyone who wants to say or who wants to believe that these issues like drugs and illegal immigration are not happening here, think again. For people who say, you know, we're not a border state, who cares, or that won't happen to my kids, think again. Wendy is telling us, while sitting on the bench for 12 years, she has experienced, seen, and dealt with firsthand illegal immigration, gender transitioning among minors, and tons of drugs. All of these things seeping into our community, right here into our backyard. This is why I talk so much about parents raising their kids up to be spiritual warriors. In fact, you know what? Take religion out of it. We have to raise our kids to just know right from wrong. I, I, uh, I shared this quote last week, but it's so darn good. I think it's pertinent to this conversation today, and I want to share it again today. This quote goes as follows. Morality refers to doing what is right, regardless of what you are told. Obedience, on the other hand, refers to doing what you are told, regardless of what is right. You know, and aside from from things like drugs and gender transitioning among minors, Wendy and I didn't even get into social media, schools, movies, music, video games. Our kids are being infiltrated from every single angle. And, you know, the question that really, truly keeps me up at night is why? 
Why are so many people so darn adamant about pushing their radical views on my kids, on your kids, on our kids? I get the whole divide and conquer mentality. I really do. And I get that kids are impressionable and it's easy to mold their minds to fit your narrative, your political ideology. But why? Why? Why raise an army of people who think just like you think? The arrogance actually astounds me. Um, That thirst for that kind of power astounds me because it's all at the expense of childhood innocence. Not to mention the whole mental health crisis we're going to likely have in our hands in about 10 to 15 years. That's what we are creating here. That's what we're breeding here. We are, we, we are the perfect breeding ground right now for a mental health crisis among our kiddos. Now, I could go into a full rant of why I really, really think why we have this defied and conquer mentality um, by latching onto our kiddos, but that, that would bring religion back into the, the circle. And I said I was going to try to take religion out of it. So, So with that actually being said, despite what some of you might think, yes, I grew up in what I would now call and recognize as a conservative Christian home, but I didn't realize that growing up because none of that was actually pushed on me as a child. In fact, when I reached about 15, 16 years old, I want to say, my parents no longer made me go to church or youth group or anything of that nature. I still did uh, most of the time, actually, but it was my choice. My parents didn't push me to do that. We didn't watch Fox News or any other conservative news channel growing up in my home. In fact, we only had about five channels. That's all I had growing up. Channel 54, 24, 66, just to name a few. Um, My folks didn't even get dish until I was in college. So I was far moved out from my home by then. And my folks, how about this one? Still don't have the internet, if that tells you anything. They simply raised me by setting an example of what is right and what is wrong. They didn't push me in terms of my political or religious beliefs, they let me figure that out on my own simply by leading the lives that they led and still do to this day. These kids, our kids, you know, that the media and influencers and teachers and politicians are trying to captivate and indoctrinate right now are our next senators, our next congressmen and women, our next teachers, our financial advisors in the future, our OBGYNs, our turn-your-head-and-cough doctors, if you know what I mean, and we are losing them. So we must care what's happening to them right now, this whole mentality of my state isn't that, my community isn't this, or it's not going to happen to my kiddo. Think again. We need to raise our kids up to know the difference simply between right and wrong. Because as Wendy pointed out, the problems, all these issues, they are here. She witnessed them firsthand for over a decade and had to deal with them firsthand for over a decade. And it does not matter if your child is a Democrat or a Republican. What matters is if they know right from wrong. I cannot believe we are nearing the end of the first season here of the News Mom podcast. If you are enjoying it thus far and you'd like me to come back for season two, um, give me a rating on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. That's the best thing you can do for me is, is give me that five star rating. And then don't forget, I drop a new episode of the News Mom podcast every other Wednesday. So new content coming out to you as quickly as I can pump it out. And again, keep in mind, I don't hide behind a paywall for you to access this content. I say it all the time because I think it's important for you to know that I don't make a dime off this. So truly, 
downloads, they don't matter to me. Yes, do I like to get downloads? Of course. To me, what is significant here is that us mamas have a safe space to talk, to listen, to learn amongst each other, because I think it's so important that that we stick together. I, I, I hate this word when people say, you know, create your tribe. I kind of always cringe at that a little bit. But quite frankly, here I am, you know, got to stick together. This is our tribe. This is our tribe to learn most importantly from each other and back each other up when it comes to raising our kiddos to know right from wrong. That's really what this is all about. So if you are enjoying it and you are here for the News Mom podcast, give me a five-star rating. And until next time, this is the News Mom podcast. She roasts a turkey while roasting lawmakers. This is News Mom.